Hey everyone, it's Sensei Ron Thomas. You know me as Bobby Brown from the original Karate Kid, or uh, Pastor Bobby Brown, not a priest, from Cobra Kai. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Selected clips and music appear courtesy of Columbia Pictures, The Karate Kid, Netflix, and Cobra Kai. Musical score by Bill Conti. Hi, this is Carrie Mitchum. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. You can contact host Stephen Brittingham anytime by email. Send your thoughts or feedback to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. And now, here's your host, Stephen Brittingham. Back in the summer of 1984, on June 22nd, Columbia Pictures released The Karate Kid in Cinemas. The story of a teenage boy, Daniel LaRusso, who, after moving from Newark, New Jersey to L.A. with his mother, soon afterwards catches the eye of the stunning Allie Mills, a high school cheerleader whose family had deep pockets, and quickly finds himself caught up in a seemingly endless cycle of harassment and violence at the hands of classmate bullies, led by Allie's ex-boyfriend, Johnny Lewis. Outnumbered and bruised, Daniel seeks help to defend himself by learning the true meaning of karate and find new perspective from within. From Mr. Miyagi. Daniel-san. What? Karate here. Karate here. Karate never here. You understand? I think so. Good night, Daniel san. Good night, Mr. Miyagi. 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 Tomorrow morning? Ten o'clock. Oh, and uh, thanks for helping me out with my friends out there. Ultimately leading to a tournament against the bullies led by Sensei John Kreese from the Cobra Kai Dojo. In a thrilling cinematic conclusion, Daniel learns that the path to being a winner is often paved with enormous obstacles and setbacks. My special guest today is Sensei Ron Thomas, who portrayed Bobby in the film, one of Johnny's closest pals. He gave a great performance to actor, author, motivational speaker, Ron has achieved many impressive accomplishments over the years. 
He is here to share his artistic journey and share some memories from appearing in the Karate Kid franchise, which now includes the mega-hit Cobra Kai on Netflix. Roger Ebert describes the film as one of 1984's best movies. I would like to add it has become one of the most cherished and celebrated films in cinema history, launching the careers of Ralph Macchio and Elizabeth Shue, while also displaying an unforgettable performance from Pat Morita. My guest Ron Thomas can say he was a part of movie magic. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond, Ron Thomas. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's my pleasure and honor to have you here. It's it's wonderful to be speaking with you today, so thank you so much for joining me. You know, before we dive into the Karate Kid franchise, I thought we would start by uh, me asking where you are from. Originally from Reno, Nevada. Biggest little city in the world. <laughs> I see. Now, I learned something interesting about you, and that is you actually had a background with karate before appear appearing in The Karate Kid. That's true. I was uh, actually of the main cast, the only um, martial artist and black belt. Um, had a lot of experience. I was a second degree black belt at the time. And, um, you know, the story goes, the story's out there. People have heard it, but I'll say it here again. I, what was funny about the whole auditioning process is when I found out from my agent that I had an audition from, for a movie called The Karate Kid, which I thought was a silly title, um, they said, don't tell them when you go in, don't tell them about your martial arts experience. <laughs> I was like, what? It's called The Karate Kid. You don't want me to say anything about my martial arts background? They said, my agent said, if they ask you, say something, but otherwise just focus on your acting because they're going to um, train you anyway with this guy named Pat Johnson who works with Chuck Norris and he's a kind of a legend in the Hollywood arena when it comes to martial arts. So just he's going to train you. They want to focus on your acting and they want to make sure you're, you know, you're a good actor. So don't say anything. I thought that was uh, weird. So it wasn't until about six weeks into rehearsals that Pat Johnson came up to me and said, you're, you know, more, more than uh, you've been letting on, don't you? You know, something, you know, he's got some experience in martial arts. And I said, yeah, I do Pat. <laughs> so <laughs> It kind of became obvious at some point. Yeah. At it some point. Like. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> well, that had to be a little bit awkward trying to maybe uh, not display too much skill, but uh, I'm sure it just kind of shone to where it became just more obvious. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you display skill. They wanted athletic guys. Um, it, you know, during one of the early times in rehearsal, I remember Robert Mark Kamen coming up to me, who was also involved in martial arts, you know, of course, and inspired a lot of Karate Kid was inspired by his own um, experiences. And he came up to me and he said, you know, you're the only guy here that looks like he belongs in a gi. And I was like, wow, I'll never remember him. I'll, I'll never forget him saying that to me. Um, you know, so I think it was obvious, uh, that, you know, you, any martial artist can pick out another martial artist by how they move, how they hold their body, how they stand, you know, their stances and the way they punch and move. So, if you're not trained, um, you may or may miss. You may or may not see that. You may miss it. But um, 
Pat Johnson didn't miss it, and Robert Mark came and didn't miss it either. So, Well, and you know what? Your representation was probably being extra cautious because he wanted them to see you as an actor first, not just someone who, you know, could knows karate and can act, but an actor first. And that's probably why yeah. he suggested that to you. But I could see where that would be a little bit awkward considering the title of the film, no less. Well, if we go yeah. back to your earlier years... I'm wondering what developed this interest in karate. And I'd like to also add the question, how did your interest in acting begin? Well, my interest in acting came before my interest in martial arts. Um, I was 11 years old. There was a local theater company auditioning for a musical, the musical of Peter Pan. And uh, I went to audition for it and it was really fun. I, you know, I got a, I got a part playing Smee, which is one of the pirates. <laughs> there you go. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, and it was on a really, the pioneer theater in downtown Reno. It's a dome like theater. It's a, it's a really nice theater actually. And, um, the guy who flew Dumbo on stage on Broadway, uh, came in to fly us, you know, cause Peter Pan flies in the show. So, um, at one point they let all of the cast members harness up and we got to fly across the stage. And, you know, at 11 years old, I'm like, God, this is so much fun. And, and then, um, got, kind of just got the acting bug from there and did, went on to do a lot of theater and a lot of uh, musicals and training in, in that, you know, in my early days before going to Hollywood and getting cast in my first movie called fire, um, F Y R E. And, um, so that somewhere along the lines, I was in high school and I had my own, um, Cobra Kai moment real life. But I, in this, in this instance, I was Daniel LaRusso. I was the skinny scrawny guy, uh, freshman in high school. And it was my, you know, it's my first day in high school and I'm walking around the halls of this huge biggest campus in Reno at the time, Reno high school. And I'm walking down the halls looking for my, um, locker number that they had given me and pretty much alone. It was later in the day and students had cleared out and here come four guys. And I know the guy, I know the one guy that I'm about to share with you. I know his name. I'm still looking for him by the way. Oh my, <laughs> but you have not forgotten. But, um, no, <laughs> here come four guys. They might as well have been called Johnny Bobby Dutch. Ah, um, you know, okay. Um, they're walking. To, I might as well. I might as well been Daniel, and they're laughing amongst themselves. And as they're passing me by, I'll just call him Dutch because he was crazy. Stepped out of the pack and just punched me in the face, hard, mm. like for no reason. I didn't know these guys for anything, right? And they just, and then they just kept walking and laughing, and I couldn't do anything about it because I was. They were bigger than me. There was four of them. I was alone, you know, and so um, I thought trying to stand up for myself at that point would be, um, you know, dumb. So um, that was what inspired me to get involved in the martial arts. I was little. I, w I weighed in in high school in PE. I think I was uh, 97 pounds, just under 100, and uh, four foot, like four foot ten and a half. Um, so I didn't get a growth spurt until sophomore year in high school but um one of my friends was taking jujitsu and um invited me up to to uh, take a class and so i did and that was it you know got hooked on that as well 
Well, I'll tell you what, what a story there uh, on, on right. both ends with uh, the karate right. and, and the acting. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And very interesting, yeah. isn't it? Um, that down the road, you would be a part of this film with a you know, similar setup in many ways, like you just described. You're right. That does sound like um, you could be actually describing moments from uh, the Karate Kid itself. So that's very interesting. You know, I was going to save this question yeah. for later, but this seems like the perfect time for me to do so. Is this perhaps a reason why I've noticed Bobby having a sense of empathy at times towards Daniel that was perhaps lacking with Johnny's other friends? No, well, not, I don't think so. Not from my personal experience. I just think that Robert Mark came and wrote it in that way. I see. And you, you know, picked he, up on that. He wrote, I picked up on it. Um, Robert Mark, you know, without Robert Mark came and writing a brilliant script, you don't have a brilliant movie. Um, and so it starts there, right? It starts with him. Uh, and Bobby, I just, just, I, I think I just picked up on it. I got the sense of it um, because at the end, Bobby said, you know, he hurts Daniel. There's, there's things in the movie that got cut that you don't see. You can see some of it on rehearsal tape that John Abelson put up on YouTube um, when we're rehearsing. And one of them is a scene where I, where Bobby, not me, but Bobby hurts Daniel's leg, even though he didn't want to, he got disqualified as crease, you know, made him do. And he, after he hurts him, he walks across the tournament floor and takes his belt off and drops it at Crease's feet. And so, you know, when you see the script and you see those things, and then you see where at the fence fight, he's like, leave him alone, man. He's had enough. You know, that all that stuff was written for Bobby. So it's not, you know, it's fairly obvious that Bobby had integrity and had morals and ethics that, and he knew when his buddies were crossing the line. Um, so Bobby was like the good bad guy, right? He had a, a sense of, uh, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And, and when things are going too far, he wasn't afraid to stand up. So, um, and, and that was displayed in some of the quieter moments yeah. you had where you just had a certain look on your face. And I really picked up on that, that, oh, okay. There's a character that's actually maybe quietly having, issues with the treatment towards Daniel. Yeah. And, you know, um, and, and that's in alignment with who I am. I've never, even though I've been involved in martial arts, I've never really liked hurting anyone. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think that that being the case and, and the way it was played and the way it was written and everything, um, I'm honored. And uh, Bobby has his own little fan base out there that many, many people have gravitated or, connected with Bobby more than other characters in the movie. And I, you know, which were some great characters, but I get lots and lots of messages from people saying, you're my favorite character in the movie, or you're my favorite Cobra Kai. Cause you were the good guy out of the bad guys. So Bobby has his own little fan base um, out there that I uh, really am honored and, and uh, respectful of and, and appreciate. And that says a lot about your performance. So uh, my hat off to you for that, uh, accomplishment. No, thank you. Well, I would love to ask you if we back up a little bit, the move to Hollywood, was this a difficult move for you? I get the sense that you probably were very excited to move to Los Angeles, to Hollywood, but I'm also wondering, having experienced it myself, uh, 
as a young man, that inner turmoil of, mm, boy, I'm leaving home here. I'm leaving my my loved ones. And I just wanted to know what your experience was like when you look back. Uh, it was conflicted. You know, there was, it was definitely some of that leaving my friends and leaving my hometown that I grew up in and leaving my mom alone because my mom and dad were divorced at the time I left. And, um, you know, that was tough, but I can also remember the drive to Hollywood from Reno, Nevada. It's about an eight or nine hour drive. And my little, uh, yellow Toyota pickup (laughs) and packed up with my stuff. And I was so happy. I was so excited about my future. I was so excited about what I was embarking on and, and pursuing my dreams. I can just remember that drive, um, getting closer and closer to LA. And I had already had, my dad was living in Marina del Rey. So I got to, you know, I had a place to stay. Um, and my manager who I'd been traveling back and forth from Reno to LA for auditions for a couple years prior to, you know, um, actually committing to the move. And uh, my manager was there and I had my agent, I was already set up to get going on everything. And so at the same time I was excited, I was uh, also sad because it was really tough to leave my mom um, there alone in Reno. So, uh, you know, there was both. I had, I experienced both excitement and happiness and and a little bit of turmoil and, you know, ah, this is going to sting, but I had to do what I had to do, you know? So. Absolutely. You had a you had a passion and, and a dream and that excitement of not knowing what can happen, but that maybe you can make things happen. Um, yeah. I totally can connect with that. And my grandmother raised me and I remember that same confliction. Boy, I hate to leave her, but right. wow, I can't yeah. wait to, to get to LA at the same time. So thanks for sharing that. I definitely wanted to ask what that experience was like for you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. A little side note. I lived on a little street. I lived on a little street in Reno and, um, the same street, well, Don Wells, who we recently lost, who, you know, played Marianne in Gilligan. Um, she was, I don't remember if she was homecoming. I I heard that she might've been a homecoming queen at my high school. I would probably have to go research that, but she went to my high school and uh, she also w- went on to become Miss Nevada, but um, she lived across the street in a house across the street from me on the same street. So I can imagine Don Wells oh, wow. having the same, <laughs> leaving, leaving Reno and, and to go to LA to pursue her dreams. But um, anyway, that was just a little bit. Yes. It made me think of this as I was explaining the story. I thought about that street and driving away from my mom. Um, mm. It was, you know, anyway. Um, it, it's a heavy feeling, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure you remember it so clearly today, even after all these years, it's just yeah. like the bottom falls out. But then once you get going, you know, you, you start to feel a bit better along the way, of course. Well, thanks for sharing that. That sure. is something yeah. else. Well, if we kind of, um, go to your first moments in the film that is on, uh, the beach, with the motorcycles when we first see Johnny and the film had been set up so nicely leading up to that moment before Johnny and, and friends arrive before your character arrives. I'd like to share with you that I saw the karate kid twice on opening weekend. 
back in 1984. And mm-hmm. I would go on to see it two more times before it left uh, uh, cinemas. But I have to tell you, Ron, um, being a young man, oh, goodness, I'll go ahead and say it. I believe I was uh, around 13, okay, to put that in perspective. When I first saw Elizabeth Shue on the big screen on the beach, my jaw about hit the ground. And I remember telling my friends after the seeing the film, you have to go see this movie. It is so awesome. It's just so amazing. And by the way, it has one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, well, who is she? I said, Elizabeth Shue is her name. And trust me, you won't miss her when you when you see her on the big screen. So I just kind of wanted to share that uh, story with you. Yeah. <laughs> she looks about as good now as she did then, and pr- probably better. <laughs> she looks she sure right does. Now. Time has been yeah, very she's... good to her. Yeah. And such a talented, such a talented lady indeed. Well, this yeah. scene, I'm curious, um, boy, all of you are driving motorcycles like it's uh, something you're accustomed to. Was that a case, or did any of you actually have, have to learn that process? There's a great story behind that one. Um, Good. Well, for me personally, I mean, I grew up in Reno, Nevada, so there's yeah. mountains and dirt. And I had a dirt bike when I was young. In fact, I remember I won this Nevada State Swimming Championships when I was 12 years old for my age group. Oh, wow. And I remember my dad, you know, one of my dad's dreams was to have me swim in the Olympics. Um, and I was kind of training for that, except I just wasn't ever tall enough. You know, I never grew to the height you need to be to be pulling that much water to make yourself go that much faster in the water. But at 12, I was, I became, my dad said, if you win the Nevada state championships, I will buy you that dirt bike. And I won and he did. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. He kept his word. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> I, I had experience on dirt bikes. Um, I can't speak to the other guys. I know Chad McQueen mm. was into motorsports and motorcycles and race cars, mm. you know, always. So, um, I know he did, um, as for the other guys, I don't remember. And I, I, I just know that John Avildsen at some point said, these guys can't ride their bikes good enough to surround Ralph Macchio on a motorcycle and, and push him off the hill, <laughs> you know? Ultimately, I think we had stunt guys, right? I actually did that. I actually rode my bike, but we had, I think, stunt guys doing the other for the other guys. But um, anyway, on a Sunday, which back then, if you're working on a Sunday, you're getting golden time. And golden time means you're getting paid triple time. Nice. And John, John, <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, the guys need to go to the ranch, meaning the Columbia Pictures, Warner Brothers Ranch in Santa Fernando Valley. And on a Sunday, and they need to practice with Alan Alney, our stunt guy, on motorcycles because they're just not good enough. So we got paid triple time to ride dirt bikes all day on a Sunday. And these were live sets, right? At the ranch, there was like the Fantasy Island set. There's these old Western sets um, with the wooden plank sidewalks and saloons. And there's all these, and there was some live sets that you know tv shows and series were filming at the time and at some point in the day alan ollie says you guys are good enough just go ride just go have fun we got a couple more hours to kill (laughs) (laughs) so we tore up the warner brothers ranch let's just say i can remember doing on the fantasy island set wow i can remember we 
we rode our bikes. That's up the, great. Uh, we rode our bikes up the steps of the um, <laughs> the old western sets onto the wooden planks, and we drove our bikes inside <laughs> of like, the old saloon. Wow! No kidding. Never forget that. What a um, story! So yeah, there's a little story. <laughs> a little yes. behind the scenes story that uh, probably gotten us in a lot of trouble back in the day, but um, I don't think anybody ever found out. I've never heard that story so, before. Yeah, and I had a couple opportunities to share it when people asked, "Well, did you guys ever get in trouble?" You know, and I just, um, I, no, we really didn't get in trouble because we were all really good kids. Yes. I, I mean, you know, I think if uh, I think if uh, Chad McQueen had his way that uh, Jerry Weintraub would have been bailing us out of jail. Oh my. (laughs) But, 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 um, you know, but then that story hit me after people had been asked, asked me that a couple of times, did we ever get in trouble? That story hit me like that. We didn't get in trouble for that, but we probably could have, but it was fun. Well, just wait till I tell people (laughs) to, to listen for a specific portion of the Uh interview. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll give them a little clue that it involves motorcycles. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait for folks to hear that story. That That is fantastic. I, I can picture it in my yeah. mind. I mean, the Fantasy Island set, I mean, that had to be so so yeah. cool to do. It was, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good time, for sure. Special memory. Well, Ron, I'd like to get your opinion on something. You know, that beach scene, it's not like Johnny and... And crew just assaulted him out of the blue. And in fact, they were kind of oblivious to him at first. It's not until he stepped up to the plate to defend Allie. And the reason behind me bringing this up is Daniel was uh, a pretty gutsy guy. Uh, many of the situations, he was taking a stand for himself when he could do so, despite being outnumbered most of the time. And I always found that very interesting about the character. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think they wanted a total wimp, you know, and they, they needed somebody with a little bit of uh, guts, you know, uh, and inner strength to be able to uh, go on that journey that he did and compete in the all Valley championships. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. He did a great job, obviously. And do you recall your first encounter with Ralph Macchio, uh, any impression that he made on you when you first met him? Well, yeah, you know, being a young actor, you're always aware of your competition and who's out there and who's mm-hmm. making it. And you're, I was aware of his work in The Outsiders and actually on the TV show Eight is Enough. Um, I knew who Ralph Macchio was. And uh, we, I went in for my third or fourth callback at the studio with John Abelson. Um, and John had, he was filming all of the auditions and I can remember, this is one of my first encounters with John Hamilton out of, outside of the office. I had met him prior to this and read for him, but final, final callbacks were at, and we were all inside a room and there was stars in there, you know, my age that you would like Crispin Glover was there. I remember him from back to the future. You know, I, I remember, um, different actors that were there and I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this cool and we're all sitting in this room and then we're all watching (laughs) each other um audition and they they call my name up i'm on the floor and i'm I'm doing the scene uh with ralph and um 
whatever it was. Cause I, I don't remember the scene. I originally read for Johnny. And so whatever the lines were, I'm, I'm intimate. I'm supposed to be threatening and intimidating Ralph and, and we're like face to face. So that was my first encounter with Ralph. At the same time, I'm doing this scene. John Hamilton um, is right. Also right up in my face. He I can remember seeing him from the corner of my eye, stepping right up to me from right next to Ralph, but to the side. And he just got right in my face. And I don't know why he did it, except I think that he was seeing if I would break character or he was trying to feel my energy um, or both. I don't know, but I just kept my eyes focused on Ralph and just was giving this intense look. So that was my uh, first encounter. Um, with, with Ralph and, uh, I'll never forget it, you know? So. And John was the director of the original Rocky. Yeah. John was, John was amazing director. One of the most underrated directors in Hollywood. And that film, um, also has a theme of the underdog, of course. Mm-hmm. And this one most definitely has the, you know, a similar theme, although, of course, we're dealing with karate in a different age group and so on and so forth, but you see the connection there. But yeah. I, you are so spot on about your assessment of his skill. I mean, when you look at the karate kid today, like when I watch it today, I mean, this is a classic film. I'm Scene after scene is so appealing, so well-paced. Um, it, it excellent shots, even the motorcycle entrance by you guys, just done so well. And mm-hmm. he was able to also create an edge um, with the situation at hand with all of the characters. Outstanding director. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he won an Academy Award for Rocky, but yeah, outstanding. And his cinematographer James Craig, uh, who passed away, you know, I don't remember when, a long, long time ago, unfortunately. But he was his, you know, wingman on Rocky and, and Karate Kid, and and um, he was an amazing cinematographer. I think he, actually, I believe, I have to go back and look, but I think he was also nominated for Rocky for an Academy Award for cinematography. Well, what a duo! Maybe now, kid, I don't remember. And you actually read for but, Johnny? Uh, yeah. yeah, I originally read for Johnny. Did you ever feel uh-huh. like, oh, I mean, did you feel a connection when you read for the part, or did you feel it more for Bobby? Well, I, I think personally, I probably felt it more for Bobby because um, Bobby is very much in alignment with me um, and who I am. Uh, but, you know, I'm an actor, too, so I'm up for the challenge. And I, I, like, I like playing bad guys. It's fun. Um, yes. But, you know, there's a lot. I'm sure this was a fun part to play, yeah. too. Well, it, definitely. There's a lot that goes into casting. I mean, Ralph's taller than I am. Um, and... Uh, Billy Zapka is taller than me. So, you know, they had to match up pretty equally there. I think so height, just a lot of considerations that casting is looking at and the director is looking at before they hire an actor. So I probably just, you know, it just wasn't the part for me, but Bobby, Bobby uh, was. Well, if we go along to another scene that stands out to me, and that is uh, the soccer practice scenes out on the field I believe at you know at the high school on the practice fields, and there is an altercation between your character and Daniel, which once again just you know things just keep going downhill for for poor Daniel, 
you know, who wanted to try out for the soccer team. And, and then, of course, this happens. Uh, any stories or memories of filming that scene with, um, with Ralph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralph hit. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph got on top of me, and the punch is supposed to go by my face. And he actually clipped me with his forearm and gave me a bloody Whoa. Um, well, no wonder it was we so did, realistic. We never. Right. <laughs> well, none of us. I don't know if that's the take that they used, but probably, um, we know neither of us broke character. Uh, we just continued with the, with the fight. And then, um, as, as soon as John said, cut Ralph ran straight up to me, man, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, no worries. I've been hit harder, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. well, if we move along to the, you know, the Halloween dance with those infamous skeleton costumes, <laughs> And uh, Daniel's very creative costume that he wore to be in disguise for the most part. Well, he had a little bit payback in that scene uh, in regards to Johnny. And and hey, there's what we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, the guts the character had to even do that. Because, of course, that's going to get Johnny all riled up and... And, you know, I just wanted to know, what was it like filming that scene in particular? It's also another moment where Bobby, uh, you mentioned this earlier, was like, that's enough. You know, when Johnny and, and all of you catch up to Daniel, and, you're, and this time he's really letting them have it. And before Mr. Miyagi saves the day, you, you, you're trying to plead to Johnny, hey, this is enough, man, enough. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, it really lets, that scene really lets the audience know who Bobby is. Um, you know, he definitely had enough and, and uh, was going to put up with uh, even his best friend, you know, pulverizing this kid, you know, five on one at a fence in the middle of the night. So, yeah, I mean, that, that scene certainly speaks to Bobby. Look, man, he's had enough. That's it. We had our fun, but now the line's being crossed. He can't even stand up. And, um, you know, I was outnumbered, too, if you think about it, um, because Dutch is, you know, uh, at all means squad, you know, and uh, I'm just going straight to the source, which is Johnny. Leave him alone. And, of course, Johnny was enraged and out of control and had an ego and he said, I'll decide when he's had enough. You know, so, I mean, <clears throat> again, it just shows who Bobby is. He's not afraid to stand up to anyone when they're crossing the line. Um, to this day, absolutely. You watched Cobra Kai season three. <laughs> There's a little, mm -hmm. uh, a little, uh, you know, a little scene in the church. So I won't uh, spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But anyway, nice scene. Very nice. Yeah. Scene. I really enjoyed that scene. Yeah, and and you. nice move, by the way. I'll just leave it yeah. at that. Inside yeah. a church, no less. That caught me off guard. <laughs> well, before we discuss the, the terminate scenes, which I cannot wait to ask you about, because I just thought you really elevated and shined during those moments. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, you bring so much to the final confrontation between Johnny and Daniel. You help set the pace, as does some of your co-stars as well. But you certainly... Um, uh, brought an, another level of uh, suspense to those incredible moments of the film. But I have two things to bring up with you. I just wanted to share with this with you quickly, and that is when I saw the scene where that we just discussed uh, with the skeleton costumes out in the field, I have to tell you, as a young teenager, 
it finally hit me at that moment. I almost want to use the word disturbing because it was like, wow. I mean, this character is just taking beating after beating. And I just wanted to say that I just really liked that edge that the film, um, you know, cooked up for viewers. It was really thought out well. Yeah, and a lot of people can relate to um, back then and even nowadays bullying, right? So, uh, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, thing that our society is dealing with now. It's unfortunate. And just, you know, it's, it was true then and it's true now. So, and that those, those scenes speak to, um, you know, the harsh reality of that topic. Yes, it sure does. It said karate or no karate. You don't, there's a lot of bullies out there that are certainly not trained in karate. They're just, you know, bullies. But, uh, that's yeah. right it's not it's not just the ones that have karate skills it's it's you know they could have next to no skills and still be bullies so that's a valid mm-hmm. point as well and i think maybe just knowing karate the way that johnny did just you know added to you know the situation uh, you know mm-hmm. with what they were trying to display well i thought this would be a perfect time to bring up an actor who just gave such an endearing performance you know, the gentleman had such wonderful comedic skills. Uh, I remember seeing mm-hmm. uh, him on an episode of The Love Boat just recently. I've been re-watching The Love Boat and really been enjoying it. And he was on an episode and I was like, look at him. His choices with comedy are just so spot on. And that is mm-hmm. Pat Morita of course, that I am referring to. But you know what? His performance in The Karate Kid, oh, lots of humor, well-timed humorous moments, but boy, what an emotional performance as well. I think of the scene Mm -hmm. where he's thinking back about his wife, an unborn child, and it just tugs at your heartstrings. I just wanted to ask you, what was it like working with him, and did you remain in touch afterwards? Oh, yeah. Um, It was we called him uncle Pat and, uh, we hung out with Pat, you know, um, just like there was so much camaraderie amongst the Cobras, but there was camaraderie with everybody really, even though John Avelson was trying to keep us apart from Ralph and et cetera, I still became good friends with Ralph. Pat Morita was, uh, like you said, a brilliant actor. There is no karate kid without Pat Morita. He's the, he's really the only guy that could have played Mr. Miyagi, um, and pulled it off the way he did. Um, you know, it was divine timing and, um, his performance was brilliant. I think he should have won the Academy Award, much less get nominated. He got nominated. So the subtleties on his, you know, you can, you don't even watch him. You feel him through the screen Mm. and, um, he's brilliant. And then a little story years later, I ran into Pat up at Universal Studios and, um, for whatever reason, I can't remember why I was up there, but I had a martial arts school at that point. And, uh, I was testing my kids. It was like a Friday evening. I was testing my kids and we were going to do a big show, a big martial arts demonstration for the parents and everybody and guests of the kids and promote them to their next rank. And I ran into Pat prior and I said, Hey Pat, you want to come to my studio and meet the kids and watch us do a demonstration? And he was like, sure. <laughs> so I have all the kids lined up and they're 
the parents are waiting, they're, they're waiting for me, sensei, to come and promote them to their next rank. And um, all the parents are there. And I have my senior black belt say, just, hey, I'm going to drive up to Universal Studios, pick up Pat and bring him back. Just keep everybody in suspense and keep them lined up. And everybody's wondering where Sensei Ron is. And, and everybody's there. And I walk in with Mr. Miyagi. Oh, and wow. Can you imagine? Wow, <laughs> that had to warm up a lot of hearts. And he took pictures and asked, answered questions and signed autographs and watched the demonstration. And um, that's, that's who Pat Morita was to me just a, a good friend and, and a beautiful human being. And what a touching st story. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's uh, yeah. that, that is a, that is a wonderful story. Now um, I'll bring this up quickly. So if someone's listening and they haven't watched the original karate kid, I assume that 99.9% .9 out there have just skip the next minute. Cause uh, I'm going to bring up a spoiler moment and that would be the final shot of the film. I've just thought of this. Um, isn't it interesting that they freeze frame with his character, not Daniel being held up with the trophy? Mm -hmm. Well, again, the, um, that's John Abelson. Yes. And we're the story, you know, we're rushing for time because they have to complete the, the film before the new year turns. And we, we were filming during, you know, it was like Christmas break and it's new year's and we're filming that, you know, I think it may have been on new year's Eve. I think I'm not sure, but yet they had to finish this film <laughs> for tax purposes and all that other stuff mm -hmm. right, before the new year. And, um, that was not the original written ending. The original ending was us in the parking lot. I that, see the beginning of karate part two. Yes. And, um, that, so, uh, I, I think that John was a little perplexed in how he's going to end it. And he was like, we just hit him like, okay, that's it. This is, I need a ladder. I need a camera. We need Pat Marie over here. And then, you know, that was just John M. Avelson's, uh, brilliance and, wow. and vision to end uh, karate kid that way, instead of what was originally scripted. Going by instinct on a whim. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, those scenes, I'll tell you, they were incredible. Uh, also under a little bit of pressure to end this movie and wrap it up. Cause I don't think we, at that point, if I'm remembering correctly, we didn't have time to shoot the uh, original ending. And so they just carried it over to Karate Kid part two. Well, perhaps that's a blessing because I think the film ends yeah. perfectly. Um, it's so yeah, uplifting, <laughs> so uplifting. Yeah. Well, what was it like to film those scenes? And I would love to ask, do you recall how long, I mean, you mentioned that you guys were, uh, you know, under some time pressure there, but still there was a lot of matches shown different characters. You know, I'm, I was curious, how long did that actually take to film all of those scenes? You know, I don't remember a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure we were at uh, Cal State Northridge in the San Fernando Valley where the tournament was set up. I think we were there for about a week. Oh, really? Okay. Maybe five. Yeah, I don't remember. Five that makes weeks. sense. All, the, all of our um, stuff was rehearsed prior. You know, I had a, I actually had a huge fight scene with Ralph at the end that they cut completely and they just turn it to just me jumping up and hurting his leg. Um, but uh, all of that stuff was pre-rehearsed. The extras were a bunch of real martial artists and black belts brought in from different schools around the LA area. Um, and those, that stuff 
had to be choreographed. I remember Pat Morita was so busy. I'm not Pat Morita. Pat Johnson was so busy um, choreographing all these little fight scenes for the montage. And he said, Hey, Ron, I'm so, I'm really busy. Can you take this guy and this guy? He gave me two black belts from uh, these martial arts schools. And he says, can you just choreograph just a couple moves, um, a little fight scene with each one of them? Cause at that point he obviously knew I had experience. So I said, yeah. And he said, just bring it to me for final approval and then we'll just use it. And um, so when you see me fighting in the montage, I actually got to choreograph my own stuff, which was uh, you wow. know one of the, one of the best and one of the a great honor for Pat Johnson to trust me that much to let me do my own thing. Well, I'll um, tell you what, I'm, I'm extremely impressed even more with the results. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 your yeah. confrontation with Daniel is, is riveting in and of itself. Now, I didn't choreograph that, but yeah. Gotcha. Um, the, the whole thing, the uh, whole thing with uh, Daniel and, and Bobby having to go disqualify himself at Crease's when was uh i think a pivotal moment in the whole thing you know yes. so yeah that's the experience there was amazing it was, it was a lot of fun well before i ask you about working with martin cove i'm looking forward to asking you about that um i thought i would say that um you know the film the way it ends is just it's just to me every time i see it i still feel as excited as I did back in 1984, and I just think that's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, I did want to mention that you mentioned how well the script was. You recall the scene with Chad McQueen in the dressing room area where he just really was like, come on, let's do this now. And once again, that is excellent filmmaking because you would might expect Johnny to be that character, but it wasn't. So I'll tell you what, I just think that The Karate Kid is just truly a a classic film. It's just all the way around. But what are your memories of working with Martin? And uh, I'll tell you what, he adds so much to the franchise. There's just no other way to put it. No, another, again, another brilliant actor, uh, a great friend of mine. We've all been friends through the years. Um, so it's very nice, you know, at this point in time, it's hard to separate, you know, how I feel about Marty as a human being <laughs> versus going back and remembering, well, what was it like working with him? Because it just all blends, sure. you know, um, he, I spoke to him last week on the phone, right? I mean, so he's just a, a great guy. I love him. He's a big teddy bear, which speaks to the brilliance of his acting because he's, the nicest guy, but when you see him on screen, you hate him, you know? And, um, (laughs) so, you know, that's working with Marty was like working with everyone else. It was, uh, the camaraderie, the energy, the synergy on the set was amazing. It continues to this day. Um, you know, when we're all back there, when we showed up at Cobra Kai to uh, film, you know, they brought the original Cobras back for that episode and the bar brawl, the energy it was, yes. it was like stepping off the karate kids set and stepping onto the cobra kai set it was um nothing had changed <laughs> you know there's just this energy and connection between us all and that's what makes that's another part of what makes it such a successful and iconic movie right so marty absolutely and his screen presence is just so appealing like when he's on screen you just don't want to stop looking at him even today yeah, he's a, like I said, he's a brilliant actor. So, 
Um, well, please give him my utmost best and respect, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on him. And sure. that does display what a talented man he is. If yeah. he if he's a big teddy bear, because wow, he's just revving it up as as this character. And it's mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, if we move forward to Cobra Kai, what I wanted to ask you was this: after so many years away. I mean, for me, the viewer, I'm so excited about this, as are millions worldwide. Mm-hmm. But this is what I love about acting, uh, uh, to see how the characters may have changed over time, like we do as human beings. Mm-hmm. I found that concept fascinating. So, again, now you got to go to the brilliance of the new guys bringing <laughs> this whole vision of where are they now? What would they be doing yes. now? And how is this playing out decades later? How are these characters living their lives and what's transpired? And that goes to the brilliance of John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg and Josh Heald, right? I mean, the creators who were original fans of Cobra Kai, just like you, and, um, and wanted to find a way to um, enter the franchise and create this whole vision and, and the entry point back into the Cobra Kai or the Karate Kid universe. And again, brilliant. So, I mean, I think I heard Ralph describe how the Karate Kid franchise has, you know, caught lightning in a bottle twice. (laughs) It's the only film out there that has broke the grounds nowadays um, that it has and and has been such a generational positive impact around the world. Um, And some of that's just unexplainable. You know, we can sit here and try with words to describe it and, and, and put it in context. But some of it's just orchestrated by the universe, divinely timed. I think, you know, you you can't, Mm. you can't describe it any other way. There's so many other synchronicities that I, you know, that happen and have happened around the whole franchise and the actors and the, and the people behind it. But, but um, where they are now, how they're living their lives, what's going on, the entry point into John, uh, from seeing all these characters from a different perspective through the eyes of Johnny, um, which is how they really entered the Cobra Kai thing, um, was, uh, you know, brilliant on their part. And I'd like to take this moment to ask you about what it was like to work with the man behind Johnny, uh, William Zabka. I have to say, his performance is just... I just find it absolutely astonishing, Uh, you know, because sometimes people don't change for the better or life, life's hardships, you know, bear them down or, you know, and he's on that edge of being a completely broken man and maybe just throwing in the towel and just going through the motions. And yet he's, he knows that perhaps he could make changes. I just have to say, I just thought his performance has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I, I agree. He, Billy is a very talented guy, um, very talented actor, obviously. And, you know, how is it when people ask me, how is it working with him? I'm like, well, you know, uh, again, we've been friends all these years. We were at each other's weddings and fun- we've been to funerals and we've been to Christmas parties together and come over to my house. And so it's out. working with your friend. <laughs> That's what it's probably like. It is. <laughs> He's one of my best, you know, and um, so it's hard to say, well, what's it like working with them? However, we did start and we are part of the original crew. We did 
participate in the making of this iconic film that has such a global impact generationally. Um, and we love what we do and we love stepping into our characters. So when we get together to actually do what we all love doing also, besides being such good friends, it's magical. And that's the best word that I can come up with. It's just magical. Um, and that's what it's like. Well you know? said, well said. And but, but, but he is brilliant. I got to agree with you. He's brilliant in this. He's, he's really dove into Johnny and, and brought it, you know, full circle to today and, and just um, is really explored who Johnny Lawrence is and he's revealing it. And that's, you know, I think it's challenging as an actor to do what he's been doing, but um, it just, again, it speaks to how talented he is. It sure does. And, and please give him my utmost best as well. I just rave about his performance all the time. And uh, I'd really appreciate yeah. that. And thank you for sharing so many memories. Uh, let him know that I will, in the spirit of his character, Johnny, uh, hash brown this interview later on instead of hashtagging. <laughs> I, his, his comedic skills, uh, I, I think that's been a pleasant surprise for me. It's just, he's, been, he's been hilarious yeah. at times, actually. And um, I, I get a kick out of that every time I'm going to hash brown this. Yeah. And again, it's, it's really tough to do as an actor if it's not on the page. Mm -hmm. So hats you, off there, to the you writers. Gotta go, you gotta also, you got to be handing hats off to this writing team. Boy, mm -hmm. they are talented for sure. Well, I thought we would conclude by remembering um, a co-star and I'm sure a, a, a friend as well. And then we can uh, get into your website and, and anything you'd like to, to say about it. And that would be Rob okay. Garrison. It was wonderful to see him on Cobra Kai, and I was very touched and moved with the respect that was shown to him and, and the way that the show honored him. I just wanted to give you an opportunity mm -hmm. to share any memories or thoughts that you have of him at this time. Well, I have obviously lots of memories with Rob, um, and you know, doing that episode in Cobra Kai and how... Uh, how ironic um, it is that, you know, in, in the show, we put him in a body bag, but uh, you know, a, a year later he actually passed away and how the, the weirdness behind all of that, again, all of this, these synchronistic things you can't really explain. So like, here's, here's the story. So um, we knew Rob was sick, you know, and we knew it wasn't good. Uh, we had hopes that he would improve and get better, but we knew he was very, very sick. And I had a conversation with Tony O'Dell prior to going back to Atlanta to film season three, my episode with, you know, in season three. And um, Tony said, well, maybe there's a reason you're going back to Atlanta because of everyone um, back there, Billy was really, Billy was very good friends with Rob and Billy was alone. And so Tony said, well, maybe, you know, it's weird timing, but maybe you're going to go back there to film, film this thing and be with, but also to be with Billy. 
And that's ended up what was really happened because Billy and I shot our church stuff all day in the church. And we, and we did, we, you know, we did our scenes together and spent the whole day together. Just him and I, Bobby and Johnny, it was such magical moments, such brilliant writing. Some of it got left out of what you actually see in the show, the episode. But <clears throat> that night after filming all day, Billy and I went out to dinner, just he and I, and we talked and we were, you know, but we both knew where Rob was. He was in hospice. And so as much as we were enjoying each other's company and Billy was kind of showing me around Atlanta a little bit, walking around the neighborhood where he lived. And we ran into Tanner Buchanan, who I also did a scene with in that episode. And we hung out. And then at the end of the night, it's very, very late. And um, I'm about to get an Uber back to my hotel. And Billy and I are talking about Rob and he wanted to maybe fly out in the morning to go see Rob, but then Rob in his state, we were just talking about, well, you know, will he even recognize you? We don't know. Will he know you're there? I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm getting on the plane that next morning to go back to uh, Southern California. And um, Billy called me and said, just keep your phone on. And I'm like, okay. So I get on the plane and it's like a four and a half hour flight. And I, for whatever reason, I couldn't connect to Wi-Fi. But uh, Billy was just kind of saying, he had spoken with Rob's family and said, you know, just keep your phone on because I don't know what's going to happen. By the time I got off the plane, my phone came back on, my phone blew up with messages. And um, one of the first ones was from Billy and said he passed, he's gone. So on my flight back home. Now, what's even more weird about that and surreal and, and um, the memory, you asked me about the memory is... I stayed at the same hotel that we had, we all three, me, Tony and Rob had stayed at the year prior for shooting episode, season two, episode six, but it was just me this time. And I was alone. And as I was leaving the hotel, you know, I, I can just remember that week with the three of us having such a great time. Now I'm alone. I'm leaving to go back to Southern California. And I felt Rob, if, you know, now, that's my beliefs. Uh, you know, uh, people may or may not buy into what I'm saying, but I got chills. I felt him. And I kind of just knew, I sensed that this might be the day. And so uh, I was leaving the hotel and that was my experience going back. And so that memory right there, that whole week and that whole experience will stick with me forever as well. But Rob was a special guy. And again, another talented, talented actor. Thank you for sharing those heartfelt moments with me and the listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of fans will appreciate it and get, get into, uh, you know, what goes on with, you know, us, us and our connection and our characters, et cetera. So, yeah, that was, uh, like I said, again, another very synchronistic serendipitous type of moment. Yes, um, that, you, that you can't really explain it. You know, some people say, well, it's just coincidence. I, I just, I think there's just more to the story of our lives and what's happened besides coincidence. Yeah. I, I, I'm right with you on that. I, I think there's a lot of meaning behind that. Absolutely. I truly mm -hmm. believe that. And I hope that the good memories will warm your heart always over the years ahead. No doubt. No doubt. I'm so grateful to the Cobra Kai franchise and these 
these writers and, and everybody for bringing us back and for giving Rob that moment to put an exclamation point on his, not only his acting career, but on Tommy, the character that he loved um, before he actually did pass. So thank God for that. Well, thank you once again for such a sentimental and enjoyable conversation full of fun moments, but also deeply touching and moving moments. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and give you this opportunity to share with the listeners about your awesome website. I really like your website. <laughs> thank you. So <laughs> um, at my website, com. S-E-N-S-E-I. That's how you spell sensei, because a lot of people yeah. don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> com and there you can find links to all my social media, Instagram, you know, Facebook, follow me there because there's another track to my professional life besides acting. And that is, uh, being a writer and being a motivational speaker and a life coach, um, a personal development expert. So the website is dedicated to that mostly, but it's also dedicated to, you know, a little bit of acting stuff. When I was putting together the website, um, with COVID and everything and, and <clears throat> no com cons being you know, happening anywhere and people wanting autographed pictures. And so I actually put up a place on my products page on the website where uh, fans can go and purchase uh, autographed pictures from me. I'll sign them eight by tens. I'll sign them um, personally and <clears throat> send them off to wherever you are in the world, internationally or domestic or video messages. <clears throat> I'm on cameo, but yeah, you can get video messages there. Um, <clears throat> for a little bit cheaper, excuse me. And, um, no problem at all, you know, and then, but, but the website explains a little bit more about, uh, who I am as a motivational speaker and a personal development expert. And I've got some products coming where you can get like the life mastery code, or if you're an athlete, you can get the athlete's mindset training and, uh, or you can, if you're into wellness and happiness, um, the wellness and happiness dojo or the wellness dojo, whatever I called it, this product, but I've got to create those. They're not quite ready to, um, you know, recorded and ready to be purchased, but, uh, that's what, that stuff's coming. That's for people who are interested in mindset or self-improvement or happiness and wellness. Um, I've learned a lot of stuff along the way. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not just a trained actor, but I'm trained in neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy and, um, human behavior. So, um, neurolinguistic programming is NLP commonly referred to, which is Tony Robbins source of stuff that Tony Robbins brings to the table. So that's what my website's about. And, uh, if you follow me, I put out my no mercy Monday posts on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook where every Monday, whatever I'm thinking about at the time, or if somebody asks me about something, how do I do wants a tip on some area of their life? I'll put out a put, a positive message. So, uh, I've got that stuff going on as well, you know, along with the acting. Well, I would like to, uh, say to you now that I would love to have you back down the road where you can discuss those topics in, in more detail. Sure. Well, I've got a book coming out. That's, that's, uh, got a title that's related to the karate kid very much. And it's, but it's a personal development book that people are, I think, going to love that life lessons. Um, and so, uh, when I come back, you know, it'll, it'll appeal to the karate kid fan base at the same time, give you some life tips and lessons, um, different ways of looking at things and how to 
get personal breakthroughs in life. Any idea so, when yeah. season four may arrive to Netflix by chance? I do not know. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> these these type of questions, they, they keep they keep a lot of stuff under wraps. Sure. They don't even let the actors know, uh, and they don't want stuff leaking out. And so I actually don't know, and I actually kind of doubt Netflix knows. Right. Um, they have to finish. Comp- they have to finish filming season four. Yes. Um, which they're in the very beginning stages of. Then they got to edit. Then they got to put it all together. So I don't know. Well, so many of us are looking forward to it. I wish it was like, um, you know, this weekend or next month, but, you know, it's worth the wait. <laughs> you and yeah, people cannot get enough of Cobra Kai. So uh, people are just like on pins and needles waiting, but it, they're going to have to wait a while for season Well, four. I'm sure I'm not the only one when I so say just, that I had a marathon with each season. Like I ordered some pizza and I was yeah. set. I was like, this this is great. Um, so I guess asking you yeah. about that mysterious phone call... With John's character, um, my hope is that it is uh, regarding a character from part three of the franchise series, but I guess time will tell. I don't know. You know, I, I actually, if I, if I did know, I couldn't tell you anyway, but I, I don't know. Um, I have suspicions like everybody else. Don't know who that, Again, that, that phone call was they about. They keep a lot of stuff. What, where the things are on, how they're unfolding away from even, even from Billy. Um, yes. They keep a lot of things away from the actors and cause they don't want things to leak out on social media, et cetera. So, and they like to surprise the fan. So, um, I actually, you know, I, I like you, I just don't know. I have suspicions, but I don't, don't. Sure. Just don't know. Well, I thought I better ask my, my son wanted me to ask. So I've done my duty. Yeah, I, <laughs> do not know. <laughs> so I'll let him know. And I have to say, uh, at the conclusion here that, you know, it's been wonderful. You know, we've talked about a lot of characters and I just wanted to bring up, it's also been so wonderful, you know, seeing Daniel again and, and what Ralph has done with the character. I, I, you know, there is also another appealing character and performance and he's done an outstanding job as well. He is the karate kid. You can't, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's uh, very, very talented as well, obviously. So, I mean, the whole franchise has been just infused with talent from the very beginning. So, you know, it all, and you uh, certainly contributed to all of that as well. No, I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for being my special guest today. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Johnny, what the heck was that all about? I know you're upset, but you can't blame yourself for what Robbie did. I'm not even allowed to see him. I'm not allowed since I'm on probation for that little incident in the uh, parking garage. Yeah, well, you're lucky it was only probation. I'm lucky I knew a priest. Put in a good word with the judge, thank you very much. Not a priest. How about we make a deal? You promise yourself to do positive things. Be a better person. I already tried that. I put everything I had into my students. I taught them to be tough and show mercy. I thought I was doing the right thing. You were. Yeah, then why did all this happen? I mean, you want to punish me? Fine. But Robbie and Miguel, they're just kids. I know. I know. It isn't fair. You got to remember, you don't do the right thing because it always works out. 
You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. History repeats itself. Try and you succeed. Never doubt that you're the one and you can have your dream. You're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the best around. Hollywood and Beyond podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Stephen Brittingham. See you on another episode of Hollywood and Beyond. Thanks for listening.